Yesenia, thank you so much for joining us in today's beautiful episode. It's, uh, I think it's Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever it I is. I think so. I think so too. Thank you so much for taking the time to be talking to me. Uh, honestly, I wanted to bring you as a guest because we've known each other for so long. Uh, well, I've known you for so long. We became friends a couple <laughs> years later. We can talk about that yeah. if it comes down to it. But I just wanted to use, you know, let you know that this podcast is meant for folks who want to share more about themselves, share their line of work, uh, as an uh, elected official, share what you do in that capacity as well. And it's a free, uh, free flow conversation. So uh, let's just start off with introducing yourself, who you are, and uh, kind of your roles and the many lives you live course yeah thank you for having me here i am really excited to be here talking to you i have to be honest that this is my first podcast so <laughs> kind of exciting kind of nerve-wracking but i'm thankful it's with you so yeah my name is yesenia delgado i use she her ella pronouns i am um a, a daughter a sister a fiance a friend um, my family is from Mexico, so all of those identities are, are very important and definitely make up who I am. Uh, my family is originally from uh, Michoacán, Mexico, and then they immigrated here um, to California. Um, my mom actually did that when she was pregnant with me. So she was three months pregnant when she came over, which is such a feat. So I definitely get my resilience and strength from my mom. Um, huge shout out to my mommy. Um, so yeah, the, my family came over um, and they settled in California, Madera, um, specifically, which is right next to Fresno, um, which is Central Valley, California. I heard someone the other day when I said that, they said, oh, you're from the armpit of California? <laughs> and what does like, that even mean? That's what I asked them because um, I never know what like sayings like that in English means and apparently it means that it's kind of like not the best part of California um, and that's why they call it that which is kind of mean but I love it there I'm like I'm literally from a, a part where it's like all the M's meet so it's like Manteca, Modesto, Merced and then Madera you said Manteca? Manteca like, like oh. lard okay. that's the name of the town oh. <laughs> Yeah, so these are all like really small like farm towns. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like what my family grew up doing um, and the work that they were doing when I was down there. Some of my earliest memories are of going to El Fil with my mom um, to give lonche to my uncles and doing that work. And I think just when I turned like five or six, my mom was just really wanting something better for us as her kids and just wondered if that was the best place to like raise us in because she was just concerned of where we would end up you know if we continue to live there um or at least that's what she tells me now not that she was having those conversations with me as a five-year-old maybe she was <laughs> yeah maybe she wasn't i just don't remember i was a pretty <laughs> mature five-year-old mm -hmm. um and so then that's when we moved up to oregon when i was about six years old and i went to uh, Davis Elementary so that's when we moved into Rockwood um, mm. right in the beautiful Barbary Village apartments that I know that you are well aware of growing up in Rockwood yourself as well yeah I mean, Rockwood is, uh, is a 
very beautiful neighborhood, I believe. And I have so many questions from Panteca to Barbary Village. Uh, but you can you talk more about kind of, we both grew up in Rockwood and I think we both have vivid uh, memories of kind of uh, what we heard, what we saw, uh, what we were told, right, about this neighborhood that um, is still there and still growing. But uh, can you share a little bit more about kind of your experience growing up in Rockwood? And for those who don't know, where is Rockwood? Yeah, so Rockwood is um, a very unique, vibrant, awesome neighborhood, in my opinion. And it's right where Portland meets Gresham kind of in that intersection of the 97233 zip code. I think there might be another zip code, or is it just that? I think it's also 97230. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not not super large, but it's definitely a a pretty big zip code. Um, And I think I I didn't actually realize the reputation that Rockwood had until I got older. You know, growing up there, that was just kind of my normal. That was what... Um, I experienced every day. Um, Some of the bright spots were definitely the community, right? The amount of people that were there that spoke our languages, that like supported me and and my growth, just being able to go out into the neighborhood and and just know that even though my mom wasn't there, there was like mis vecinos that were taking care of me and like supporting me and keeping an eye on me. Um, I just grew up in that and really appreciated that, you know, with the kids in the area playing soccer and volleyball and there was actually like a pool where we lived so we like hung out there a lot so like that's what I like remember a lot from my childhood in terms of just like that vibrant community that I just always felt really supported in and my mom I'm the oldest of six um so my mom was always having birthday parties for us so (laughs) I remember our place always being like the spot where we would hang out and um just do a whole bunch of fun stuff for the the neighborhood kids um and i do like obviously there was we were i think we both grew up in rockwood during what people like to say now one of the most like um crime heavy times you know and i think that that was true but again that was my normal on the day-to-day basis hearing sirens police and fire trucks i um had to be evacuated out of our apartment like three times due to fires oh my gosh one of them i remember i was like in the shower <gasps> and they had to like pull me out so, but that was just my normal that's what i thought it's like here we go again yeah every kid was experiencing yeah. around the yeah. the state actually yeah i have a you know similar similar experiences as well uh you know grew up in rockwood and not we were if we were looking at walking distance i was probably like seven minutes away from you um and i think kind of you know similar to vivid memories of like our neighborhood was like the party block although i'm the oldest of two but there was always birthday parties from like neighbors and, and and the dad and the mom the grandma or the uncles from came from mexico and they're all there but uh uh, you're right. A lot of folks talk about. I mean, we've had conversations about like how people put this narrative on Rockwood, right? Like when I would tell folks, "Oh, where do you live? I live in Rockwood," or I go to Reynolds, uh, or went to Reynolds, right away would be like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry." Uh, and I never really understood why they were apologizing. And growing up now, and you know, we're both in their 
20s and uh, looking back and we're like that it wasn't that bad at all I think people uh, just put that narrative because they were afraid of I don't know what they were afraid of you hear cop sirens everywhere you hear fire trucks everywhere it's a it's a normal thing unless you live in a gated community then most likely you won't you probably hear dog barks or something like that or or the neighbors talking about the bachelorette or, or you know we over here in the hood we just it was it was music to our ears it was something that we were used to it wasn't something that we were afraid of at least for me i wasn't afraid of and you know i, I drive through rockwood um every almost every day and i just see how beautiful it's been you know it's grown to be and uh how you and i were those kids who were running around playing soccer or you know hitting the piñatas with, with, uh, in the parties and, and, you know, every all, all those kids have a bright future because, you know, we came from there and we made it and hopefully more kids can, can look at that and, and see that no matter where you live, uh, the sky's the limit. But Yesenia, talk, tell me a little bit more about, I know, uh, I'm a fast forward quite some, so much because I want to talk about, um, kind of your roles in, in, in the community you grew up in Rockwood. You probably were throwing all this negative energy saying that you can't make it. You're not going to go anywhere. And you're kind of right now one of the baddest people in, in, in East County. And people don't know that. And I think a lot of people do know that as well. Uh, you are a powerhouse. And I'm, I'm telling you this not because you're just on my podcast, but you are a powerhouse. And uh, but you're a very quiet powerhouse. And you do a lot of work behind the scenes. Um, can you share more of kind of your line of work and also talk more a little bit more about your elected office work as well. Yeah, of course. And thank you for that. That's very sweet of you. And I think um, I'm just really grateful to like know you and do all this great work together, but also just to be friends. I think that that <laughs> to have people that you're doing this work with that you're just friends with means I think everything. Mm. But yeah, I think a little bit more about what I um, do now is um, so my day-to-day -day job, I work for Multnomah County. Um, I'm with the Joint Office of Homeless Services, with the, which is a joint office that's funded by the city and the county. And we do a lot of work in supporting people experiencing homelessness, whether that's single people, uh, families, and uh, children, youth, anyone that might be experiencing homelessness and housing insecurity. Um, we do a lot of work um, to support the organizations and providers that are actually out there doing shelters, doing rapid rehousing and all these different housing interventions. Um, and yeah, I mean, the reason I got into housing now years ago was really because I am really committed to leaving this earth, hopefully doing, a, making it a little bit of a better place. You know, I really believe that if people don't see anything in the world that they want to change, then I don't think that they're looking hard enough because there's just so many, like, things that aren't working and systems that aren't working for people in the way that they're supposed to. Um, and I just felt like housing is really much the cornerstone of all of that, right? In terms of all of the injustices out there. If someone doesn't have housing, which is a human right, then how are they supposed to work on like um, going to school, right? How is a child gonna feel safe and going to school and doing their homework if they are struggling with having like a basic roof over their heads? or if someone is um, wanting to look for employment and keeping a job, right? Or like has an addiction or mental health that they're working on, just having like this basic human need met, I think is 
the backbone to our community. Um, so it like really breaks my heart that we don't have that as much as we should here. You know, I think you know a lot about the housing insecurity that we have. Um, and that's what I work really hard day in and day out to try and um, find more equitable solutions for all of our communities and housing. Wow. Um, that's impressive. I, I can't think of anybody better than you working on those problems. Did you have any some sort of experiences growing up with housing insecurity that made you feel like, you know, you bring not only do you bring your professional experience, but you also bring personal experience that I think is very valuable. It's not if not more valuable than professional experience to your line of work. Yeah, so I think, you know, earlier I told you how I moved here from California with my family. And when we first moved here, um, we moved into a two-bedroom apartment where there was, I believe, 15 people living in that um, apartment. And I would love to say that that isn't normal, right? But in our community, that's that's very normal that you have families doubled, tripled up in, in two, three-bedroom apartments. And um, that really is because of how houselessness shows up in our community, right? Um, people of color, and especially Latinx community, is a lot less likely to, like, for you to see them on the street or in a shelter because of the communal and familial ties that we have in our culture. So it's a lot more likely that you'll see X amount of people living in a, in a two-bedroom home, right. um, supporting each other and making it work. Um, but that, in my line of work, is houselessness, right? And is housing insecurity. And getting, even though that they might not be what we think, per se, of, like, homelessness, like, on the street, like, getting them the support and the dignity of, like, if they want to, getting their own place where their children have um, have a safe place to come back home and not, like, in my case, I had to wait every morning, like, 30 minutes to get into the bathroom now it gave me a lot of patience right now that i now have um, <laughs> um, really built that in me but um that shouldn't be the reality of most children right. and um working in that and then um years later my mom um, got a divorce and she was a single mom of five kids so that was definitely not easy and i will say that if it wasn't for like subsidized housing that we were in mm -hmm we would have probably not have had stable housing, which is then what allowed me like through high school to like do good in school and have that resource, right? But without housing, I really don't know how my family, my siblings, my mom and I would have made it throughout that time. So I'm really thankful for um, just the opportunities that there are out there for people that are struggling with housing insecurity. You just said something that I think um, really does uh, hit home and I never really thought about it that way is when you look at the Latinx community and there you know there's 10 15 people living in a two three bedroom apartment I never really saw that as like considered that houselessness and and you're right I think you don't see Latinx families or individuals uh, setting up camps you know maybe you see one or two and and you know but you don't see that as much, and 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 I always wonder why that why that was. And I think you just answered my question. Is you're right. You're absolutely right. Like I go, like, go visit uh, friends and neighborhoods, and and you 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 see it. Like there's a couple, you know, there's there's two three families living in two bedroom apartments, and uh, 
and that's not because they want to it's because they have to right and um it's very uh, unfortunate and, and i never really thought about that considering houselessness so you're absolutely right and um like hopefully we we continue to find proper solutions for families to find their own affordable housing that uh which i do truly do believe uh funnels towards success and and, and making sure that they're have sustainable jobs or kids or have a sustainable school to go to and um it just builds uh a healthier home um rather than living under those conditions that i know a lot of families are living under as we speak um you in a couple years ago you got elected uh to serve in the Reynolds school board and you went to the Reynolds school district you mentioned earlier you went to davis i think you went to hb lee middle school and then reynolds high school graduated, went to college, came back, and you became the first Latina to be elected as a school board member at like at a young, very young age. How the heck did that happen? <laughs> yeah, how did that happen, Ricky? Yeah. Not really, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a funny well, story. Yeah, it's actually pretty funny. Um, but before I get there, I think it's actually... Um, and I, I did have a year stint at Reynolds Middle School. So I did do my sixth grade year there. Oh. And then I went over to H. Billy. So before okay. we became Nemesis, I was you're, I was a Lancer for, you're a, Lancer. for a year. Okay, got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, and I distinctly remember, and I think going back to our Rockwood conversation, right, of like, that's just what we knew our community mm-hmm. was. But I distinctly remember in middle school, you know, thankfully I'm I'm blessed with school came easy to me like somehow my gifts and talents like align with the way our school system is designed um so i was always that like nerdy kid that did really well in school (laughs) got like good grades and i still remember a teacher pulling me to the side in middle school and being like you are like one of the smart kids you're gonna you're gonna get out of this community one day and you're gonna do great things at reynolds or h billy at h billy Look at that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get that around. Yeah, <laughs> right? Kidding. I should have stayed there. <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, I remember being told that. And just like, again, being a Latina, being really family-oriented, right. being like, I would never want to leave my community or my family. Yep. And like, not really realizing like the, the micro and macro aggression in that, right? That, that person feeling that I um, somehow was like, destined for something that meant that 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 would mean outside of my community and that felt really uncomfortable at the time Mm. um but i think that that just speaks to like the levels of inequities right that you see in the schools and and how students are like stereotyped or Mm. um even feeling like you in order to make it right you need to leave the community instead Mm. of why can't making it be coming like stay in your community or Mm -hmm. maybe leaving like in our case like we did for a couple years to go to college but then coming back right and really helping the community be what it needs to be and using your gifts and talents for that i don't even think we left though we were just like that's true we're like down the street so no you're right though yeah so i think um yeah and i think when you when i look back on my college my middle and high school years Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends um, didn't really graduate and it was really sad to me and um, the the amount of them you know and it's I think we had some mutual friends yep. some mutual soccer player friends yeah. <laughs> um, that didn't make it mm-hmm. and 
You know, I don't think I had the language back then. I knew that there was something wrong in the system, but that doesn't happen by coincidence, right? It's not a coincidence that of all the Rockwood kids, and you and I are only like a year apart, so I was always a year older than Ricky in school, which is why I get to boss him around sometimes. <laughs> um, but it's not a coincidence, right, that it's just me and you and some other kids that made it, right? There's something wrong with the system that led so many of our friends to not feel like they were safe in school enough to stay or like had the resources and and support that they needed. Mm-hmm. So I think I always knew from like the moment I graduated high school and was there like planning for my future that I was not going to leave my community. I was not going to do what that teacher told me to do, mm-hmm. that I was going to stay in my community. I was going to help it make uh, make it better and at that time I didn't totally know what that meant I thought I was actually gonna be a child psychologist for a really long time there but as I went through college and just other work experience it led me um, here but I think to like really answer your question of how how did that happen I think I still remember, you know, you and I and maybe we'll get here in a bit but like we became pretty good friends in college you ran for the school board Mm -hmm. and I remember being so proud of you and so excited that your voice was going to be on that board Mm -hmm. and then I think it was like maybe like a year later when you like reached out to me about an opening of an appointment and told me that you know this is what it was it was like a once a month meeting of like an hour or two. Yeah, an hour or two, yeah. Um, which is really good <laughs> recruitment strategy compared to like if you actually told someone the amount of work that it takes to be an elected official as a school board member. Right. Um, but I remember you telling me that there was an opening and that you felt like my skills and expertise and gifts would be of good use there mm-hmm. and that we would get to do, you know, this work together. Um, so I remember thinking about it, thinking about my experiences, thinking about my siblings' experiences. Um, like I said, I'm the oldest of six, and they're all going through the Reynolds School District. Um, and just feeling like like the work that I had done in my career so far around like systems thinking uh, coupled with my lived experience could be a really unique asset to the school board and uplift the voices of um all of our students and not just like certain students so i was appointed and then i think like a year and a half later Mm -hmm. we ran again and um now i'm in my third year going into my fourth year as a school board member with a couple more years to finish out my term look at that Mm -hmm. and it's, it's not true i think uh school board meetings are not (laughs) <laughs> two hours so once a month and and, and it was a, it's a good recruitment strategy though because i think totally. we, we got a couple folks who fall under that yeah with that same uh narrative uh you are now three years in the school board you served as vice chair and chair you're vice chair currently again uh, what do, do you feel like reynolds has been improving in comparison when you were a student to compare to where it is now or do you think it's not been that improved as much as you'd wanted to or what do you think where where are we at right now with Reynolds yeah I think that that's a really good question and I think in the in the way that we have improved I think for the first time ever we're at least acknowledging that there are racial 
inequities and structural racism in our schools that we need to address and we have some plans to address them which i think like unless you are open and verbalize and actually name the issues how are you ever going to change them right? right and i think when we when you and i were students there i don't think anyone was talking about that or if a student mm-hmm. uplifted that as an experience they would have probably been dismissed and mm-hmm. even though I, i i'm sure that that's still happening in our schools I would hope that the fact that we as a board have been so committed to like racial equity and equity and ensuring that all of our students are getting what they need is then being centered and prioritized in like the plans that schools are developing and that those are really impacting students. So I know that we still have a long way to go before we reach the student achievement um graduation rates and support rates that our students are actually feeling like supported and prepared for but i think the fact that we are at least naming these things and putting centering them i think will help us get there and i think the other thing that i know that you and i have talked about this but like changing systems and changing um structural racism that was embedded into schools like that was done over hundreds of years you know right We're not going to solve it overnight, which I think was the energy that I was coming in. <laughs> yeah. I think Same. we both were, yeah. but like systems change, it takes time, right? And I think thankfully you and I and a lot of other people in the Reynolds community are committed to the long long haul to the district and I think that we'll be able to make that happen. I sure hope so. I sure hope so. And in in you're absolutely right. I think um all this all these stuff all these problems that students have have uh, faced and continue to face has been years in the making decades in the making um you know my you know my experience as a student is not the same as an experience that you had there's probably some similarities here and there um but you know have, you know for those of you who don't know Yesenia and I serve in the school board I've been serving together for three years now and uh it's uh it's a very challenging it's a very 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 challenging position to have especially right now um and and with everything that is going on with with parents and the right wing parents electing you know electing right wing parents or right wing minded folks and basically having you know I feel like we've improved so many things on and when it comes to equity, right? And when, this past election that we saw in school board races, we there's folks that were elected that don't quite think the same way we think and don't really think there's racism that exists, right? There's those folks that think that there's no color or you know, we're all the same, we're all children of God or whatever. But like those are the folks that are creating damage. Like you're, I'm hearing I'm getting emails and, and, and notifications about so many other school districts across the state of Oregon who are like like stepping back on and like you know, pushing back on like all these equity initiatives that has taken so much work to get to and are saying, "You know what? This is not it." You know, and Hope, you know we're we're kind of seeing it in some east county schools um and uh it's been very challenging and upsetting to see that but you're right and i think the greater community is here for the long run and hopefully we can continue to do good work for our students because i know for a fact the same struggles that we had growing up or some struggles that current students still have and 
Um, but I want to switch it off. So switch off gears because you know we talked serious business for now. We can just go to some fun stuff. And I know uh, you grow. We grew up in Mexican culture, and I think it's. I always love to share kind of like the unique cultures that we have, right? And how we're family oriented. The food is delicious. Your mom's food is extremely delicious <laughs> and um and how uh we also have some unique experiences what would you say were some like some unique things in your family in your culture that kind of made you who you are today yeah that's a really good question and yes my mom's food is amazing if anyone <laughs> ever needs food just hit me up it's or really hit Ricky good. up <laughs> I, I i endorse that yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty biased, but I, I just love the Mexican culture, right? Like I'm Mexican, so I'm part of it and I think it's incredible. And I think some of the profound like teachings that I would say I've learned from my culture Mm -hmm. are like the importance of family. Like Mm -hmm. I stand by that a hundred percent every day. Um, and I feel like a much more whole person and I would say like that value that i have in myself of like caring for others Mm -hmm. is what drives the work that i do right that's Mm -hmm. where that's where that came from that need to like that it's not just about me that the world is a lot bigger than me and that there are other people out there that support me and and love me and and take care of me and that i want to do that for other people as well so i do that with i mean and hopefully that's what my siblings would say right when they're not <laughs> upset at me over something um you can bring them onto your yeah, podcast I'm sometime ask them. i'm gonna ask them for sure all of them <laughs> yeah but i would say overall we're, we're pretty close as a family we still regardless of what the week brings we get together every sunday at my mom's um with all of us as we start to get older mm-hmm. and just share food right mm-hmm. like food is love and that's one way that our family really demonstrates and my mom really demonstrates her love towards us um (laughs) yeah so i think that that is probably like the main thing Mm -hmm. i think some of the other like fun stuff that i remember dealing with um i had my quinceanera and i'm reaching my i've only been thinking about that because i'm gonna hit my double quinceanera here in a couple years which is exciting i have like a goal that i'll be able to put on my dress again and hopefully it will like look okay um yeah maybe we'll see in a couple years (laughs) do another podcast to see um but yeah i remember just that being such a amazing rite of passage Mm -hmm. for um woman in um the mix like the mexican culture and i remember there was like a couple fun rules that i couldn't break before my quinceanera or i wasn't going to have it which were yeah one of them which were i couldn't wear makeup and i broke that um i think that that one was very hard for me um I couldn't dance, like dance in bailes, like with other men. Like if my uncle asked me to dance, that'd be fine. But like you, like a muchacho couldn't come up to me and ask me to dance. So if I would go up to you and ask you to dance, you'd have to say no. I had to say no. Okay. Because that was like what was in my family that you couldn't do before you were 15. Wow. Yeah. And then I, I couldn't have a boyfriend. Did you break that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I did, but Breaking I don't think news. my mom knew about that one <laughs> oh, before my quinceanera. She knows now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll translate this. <laughs> yeah, right? That is so cool. I didn't, yeah, I think every family has their unique mm-hmm. things, right? But uh, for those who don't know what a quinceanera is, can mm-hmm. you briefly explain what that is? Yeah, so a quinceanera, I'd say like in dominant white culture, the closest thing to it is probably like a sweet 16, yeah, but it's yeah. for a 15-year-old. Mm-hmm. And it's really, I would say, it's um, like a rite of passage. It's somewhere where um, I think the way it was explained to me was like you're getting introduced to the the community as like a woman, you know? Like mm-hmm. you're emerging from like a girl to like a woman, mm-hmm. um, which I felt like... I remember thinking that that was like a lot of pressure and like a lot of things would change. But I think, you know, like, and I think we both have talked about this, right? Like mm-hmm. being Mexican, but born here and like that culture clash, right? right? Of both things that I think maybe if I was living in Mexico, I would have meant a different thing of mm-hmm. like, you know, I think um, women are asked to maybe grow up a lot faster or like the expectations of you once you turn 15 or are around that age are a lot more different than I think the support that I I had here. That is true. That is very true, and it's very unfortunate because I feel like it's still existing. Because uh, us men can still f around, and yeah. we're like in our forties, and it's acceptable, mm-hmm. and it's not okay. Um, a, a serious question: In your quinceanera, did you have chambelanes and damas, or just chambelanes? Oh, just chambelanes. Ah, I wanted all the attention to be on me, and that. I was scared that damas would take that away from me. <laughs> Shows you how um, how exciting I was to be around that age, yeah. which is probably why maybe we weren't that close no, in high school. Yeah, for those who so yes, I always joke about this. I, uh, so I knew of Yesenia in high school, and. Um, see her i would see you around the hallways and try i, I wish i would try to say hi to you but you just kind of ignored me and no. like after a couple couple tries That's i just gave not up how it happened but then we reconnected in college and it just changed right and, and i think i brought it up to you right like you ignored me in high school and that still hurts and it's just, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no i totally remember that and I think, obviously, we're both from Rockwood, right? Yeah. All the Rockwood kids, like, know each other. We just, for some reason, are circles. I wasn't, just, I wasn't cool enough, yeah. right? Yeah, totally. I still remember <laughs> when I found out that you were coming to Warner. Uh-oh. Um, being like, oh, my. Because I remember that was, like, a season in my life where I was just like, oh, like, you know, you're in college. You're starting new. And then here comes Ricky. And, like, I remember distinctly, like, the first time I saw you, I was with, like, a group of friends. And you coming up to me and being like, hey, whatever happened to you and this guy that I was dating back in high school? And just being like, oh, my God, here he comes. And I was like, we are not going to be friends. <laughs> I think you really mugged me that yeah. day. I got the memo for sure. I never asked you again. Yeah. What, what happened? I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No. I, yeah. It, 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 I, yeah. I mean, going to college, at least, I think, you know, it's it's something that no one really taught me. I'm, no, I'm not sure no one really taught you, right? It was just like you're moving away you're although you're 20 minutes away from home but you're you're on your own and really comes down to you being responsible for yourself and i connected with you and after that you know awkward interaction of the first time i got the memo never asked you again (laughs) and just kind of pretended like this never happened so um my apologies for asking in front of your friends because 
Yeah. No, you you've been forgiven now for quite a while. <laughs> well, I think I think what brought us together in college was that we have another really common love and passion that we both share. Which is? You don't know. <laughs> Politics. You're like which one? <laughs> which one? Um, but like soccer, yeah. I think growing up, both you and I like soccer meant a lot in our community, and obviously, soccer football is like a huge thing in the Mexican culture. Oh, it is. It's a beautiful thing, and. I should, I'll full disclosure, I'm like on two hours of sleep, believe it or not. Did you watch the Mexico this game? Is not, this is not water that I'm drinking. This is a gerba mate, <laughs> yeah. uh, extra caffeine. Yes. So I watched the NBA, the, not the NBA, the Olympic basketball game. And then I found out, oh, in an hour and a half, yeah. Mexico will play Brazil at 1 a.m. So what you, did I do? You were I committed. And I watched, minute, they went from first half, second half extra times yeah penalties and when it was all over mexico lost um uh it was 4 a.m and i woke up at 6 30. oh you are a so, committed fan i am a committed fan but you're right that love of soccer is i think is what brought us together and uh, one of the reasons what brought us together and you look at our community and our culture but you also look at different cultures like the beauty of soccer is that you don't even have to speak the same language you just speak soccer, right? And, you know, people make gestures on, like, pass the ball here or, you know, shoot here or don't, you know. People people understand that. And, you know, we worked on the, on, the, on the community project together. And it's fully documented all over Google. So <laughs> we're not going to really, you know, get into so, it. Get just into Google it. our names. Just Google our names, honestly. But um, I think, you know... In the neighborhood, there was not a, a lot of accessible soccer areas or fields, and you and I got together. You brought the nonprofit sector and the badass community advocacy that you continue to have. I think I was an intern for Multnomah County at the mm-hmm. time. You brought that government experience. Well, kinda, <laughs> <laughs> kinda. I mean, I remember bringing it up to some folks, and I would just, I would get ignored. And uh, this is funny, and I. I don't know if she listens to this podcast, but back in the day, Commissioner McKeel was the the Lori segment of our commission area, our district, and she was the person I had to talk to. It was like I need to get her on board. If I get the commissioner on board, it's a it's a done deal. And she would host these like walks uh, across the Hawthorne Bridge. And I, uh, uh, our, our mutual friend, uh, Gigi, and I found out when they were. So we we're like, okay, let's get her to the shoes <laughs> on. And I'm going to walk with her and talk to, talk to her about this idea, right? That uh, um, like hopefully she can support. I get my shoes on. We get our shoes on. We start walking. But C- Commissioner McHugh is a fast walker. I couldn't catch <laughs> up to her. <laughs> I was really trying to catch up to her. And I couldn't. And, like, halfway through, I was exhausted. I was like, yo, she's a fast walker. Yeah, you need to bring your running shoes I didn't next get, time. I didn't get to talk to her that day, but I was like, man. Like, because it's super... And for those who don't know the Monoma County building, like, in order to get to the top floor, you have to pass through security. You yeah. need to have a special badge, you know, and it's, all those commissioners are super busy, and they, you know, good luck getting us scheduled with them, right? And, uh, and I didn't, but uh, I remember that vividly how... And I shared that story with her. I was like, man, like I was trying to talk to you about this project <laughs> and you were just walking too fast. But, uh, you know, long story short, you know, you and I worked on it together and 
you know, with our mutual friends that are still our friends for a reason. And um, fast forward to now, there's like nine of those builds. Yeah. Futsal courts. Nine different futsal courts that are really about beautifying the community and um but also just the power of place right Mm -hmm. like i remember you and i we would literally be playing soccer or futsal on the street (laughs) and it wasn't necessarily super safe and yeah it just wasn't and like what it communicates to a child right Mm -hmm. when you know like you and i were watching these games these beautiful games um on tv Mm -hmm. right supporting our team supporting memochoa but then you got to come back and play on the street and what that like tells our students and in terms of what they believe in in themselves so i really felt like that project was really much bigger than you and i it was really just the community coming together and saying like we deserve this we want this we want these futsal courts in our community and then you and i just thankfully using our experiences and and skills that we had learned Mm -hmm. to like actually make that happen but it was really about them and, and them doing this. Yeah, I mean, the pushback that I remember getting was, you know, the neighbors were like, we don't want loud kids in our neighborhood. We don't want those gangsters, Whirling. you know. And uh, and it was like only two of them voicing those concerns and there was hundreds of other families and kids that were like, yeah, we want this. And I remember how, you know, it's it was a lot, we had to pass through a lot of red tape, a lot of bureaucracy, government, Welcome to Government 101. Well, that's where we learned what <laughs> wet blanket meant. Do you what? remember that? Wait, well, what did that mean? Like someone, like a staff oh, that we were working city on. City of Gresham. Yeah, yeah, City of Gresham. I didn't want to put them on blast. but <laughs> Put them on blast, <laughs> yeah. yeah. you're saying it. <laughs> I remember going to them with the idea and them being like, we don't want to be a wet blanket on y'all. And you and I just looking at each other like, what? What, <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> We later learned that it means, like, what, this person doesn't want to, like, ruin our plans or, yeah. like, be a, a buzzkill, yeah. but... Didn't work. Yeah, did not work. <laughs> you can keep that wet blanket, sir. No, it's funny, because we look back, and, and now we're in the, in the spaces that we are, like, I work in the city of Gresham. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when people bring their ideas and their projects, I'm not that person, you know, like, and I try not to be that person. And if there's a legit way to help then i will and if there isn't i'll be honest but i'm not going to make comments like that and then you know and and look at us now i think it's it's we we stuck with it i think i remember when we first built the flip court the first one people were asking like what's the worst the next one gonna go I'm like what the heck you want more yeah. <laughs> <laughs> keep them coming keep them co- you build them and they come and there's nine of them now and it, there's a lot of people to thank you know and um a lot of folks that were involved and and you're right. It's not about us. It's not about them. It's about the community and how how beautifying the community was. Uh, it's an ultimate goal in bringing people together. Because you you drive through those footsteps courts, you don't only see Latinos. You see African Americans. You see white. Mm-hmm. You see Caucasian. You know, you see all kinds of cultures uh, playing the sport. Do they know how to play it right? Probably not. But they're learning together, and that's the beautiful thing that I never thought was going to happen when we right. first built those and we didn't literally build them but you know yeah i think but. people will get that <laughs> hopefully <laughs> if they know our <laughs> construction skills yeah we're not good but i think that that's what's so unique and special about you i was talking it's to someone the me. other day it's not about me no this is totally Jesus. about you 
Um, I and they don't even know that we're friends. They were just talking about how they just feel that you, as a a school board member and as a state representative, how available you continue to be for your community. You know, and how you're just. Um, I think, you you know, we really adhere to like mostly what life is about is about showing up right and you're mm-hmm. just being there and being present and continuing to stay rooted and grounded in, in the community which i think you continue to do which is why you continue to get the support that you do because the community like trusts you and believes you and i think as long as you continue to do that the community will stand by with you and you will like only be able to like foster even more growth and, and change for the betterment in our communities, which is very exciting. Who was this person? I can't tell you. Damn it. <laughs> no, and, and I think part of it too, it's, and you're, you know, we're similar. Because people, you don't know as well that you are, if not more available than I am, because you do a lot better work than I do. Uh, and, but I think you can, people can probably relate to this. Like, I, w- I really wished we had that when I was a kid, right? Like, did I wish that I had a power walk to go catch up to Commissioner McKeel and that was my only opportunity to speak to her? Like, come on out, right? Like, that wasn't ideal, but yeah. that was what it was given. You know, that was what's available. And back then, you know, not social media didn't really wasn't a big thing yet. And there's, you know, there's all kinds of ways to connect with your elected officials. But I just remember, like, I want to talk to those people. I want to share my ideas. If they want to listen to them, cool. And if they don't, at least I talk to them and saw them face to face or via Zoom or, you know, whatever, Skype back then. And uh, I remember just how frustrating that was. And when I started working with the city of Gresham, well, my boss, two, both of my bosses, one of them was not there no more. Uh, you know, a couple of years later when, when we were drinking beer, I was old enough to drink beer. Um, they were like, you know, I think our goal, our, our, our mission was accomplished. We made you believe in local government. Wow. And um, because I came with the hesitation, right, of I think in, in the Mexican culture, government really equals corruption. Totally. Right? And violence and uh, money. And, and I had that understanding of like, yeah, it's the same way here because my parents talked about it. And when I was working with them and I was doing government work and I'm finding myself representing my city and the state i was like oh shit i actually like this yeah and so let's let me let me teach the community that we're not bad people there's probably bad people within any and mm-hmm. you know any department there's bad totally. teachers there's bad cops there's bad politicians but there's also good ones and um uh one of the things that i posted a couple of days ago and i got people texting me if they're saying it right, one of my nieces, not really my niece, but call her my niece, Vicky was like, we were eating food, and then I said, oh my gosh, that's so delicious. She was, and she stopped me. She was like, don't say that. Mm. I was like, what do you mean, don't say it? It's, it's yummy. It's delicious. She's like, you don't, you don't say that no more. I was like, so what? What do you say? It's like it's bussin' bussin'. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so. So yeah, I you're getting old, Ricky. Yeah, you're not was, keeping up with the slang anymore. And, and I responded, I was like, it's bustin' bustin'. She's like, no. <laughs> it's bustin' bustin'. It's just bustin' bustin'. Does Kenny do that too? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and my high school sister does as well. I get it. <laughs> it's hard keeping up with all the different generations. So I, I, as, a, as a public figure, you know, I wanted to give a public service announcement to the community. Totally. Like, hey, I just want to let you all important. know. Like, stop what you're doing. 
don't say it's delicious no more because you're gonna get corrected. It's bussin' bussin'. It's bussin' bussin'. And like those things, I think was what connect connect us. You know, we're regular people. You and I are regular people. Uh, you know, we are as much as part of the community as anybody else. Um, you know, um, yeah, I get to, to get the privilege to serve in the legislature and the school board, but I still go home to my family. I still eat the yummy, delicious food that my parents make or my wife makes, and. I still sometimes wake up late. Sometimes I can't sleep. Yes, I play video games. Right. And you're honest about all of that, right? And I think that's what's really exciting about this new wave of of leaders and Mm -hmm. leaders of color, right? Mm -hmm. That are bringing in their culture and their values to the work, right? And they're not separating those. And I think... I mean, to the pushback that you were describing earlier from other school board members, right, that have been doing this for a really long time, it's because we are interrupting the status quo, right? Mm -hmm. And we're showing that there's a different way to lead and be involved in local governments and that it doesn't need to be like this us versus them, but it's a we thing, right? Mm -hmm. And that I'm going to bring my whole self to this role that I'm in because I think it's important that other little girls see me for who Mm -hmm. I am see me eating my food, see me speaking my language, see me doing all these things so that they can then see themselves in that. Mm -hmm. And if they ever want to be an elected official, like all the power to them and do that. But whatever you want to do, just know that that is like you have every right to go after your dreams. Right. And I think that that's something that's really powerful and like really um, just amazing of you and I being part of like this new kind of wave of leaders that I know we've had um, people of color before being in these elected official roles, but at least I can't imagine what it must have been to be only like one in like hundreds of state representatives, like in your case, you know, whereas you got sworn in with one of the most diverse, like, um, kind of cohorts. So, yeah. So I think that that's pretty amazing, you know, to know that we just have each other's backs and that we're going to double down on our values and that's how we're going to lead and, and show up in these spaces. Talking about leadership and values, I think, you know, did you ever imagine yourself being uh, like a, an elected official when you were in, like in high school? No, <laughs> definitely not. And I think it just, again, it goes to speak to like the perception, right, that we had of local government or government as a whole and that that is a different entity that doesn't work for me or doesn't work for my community you know when you see the impacts that government and the harm that has really caused you know our community so i don't think i ever thought until i was older that you could actually use this for change right and use it to actually um help people yeah did you ever see yourself no no i was that student in the i show up and sit in the back and i really talk to people believe it or not now I talk and people can't stop. Me. Yeah, that's the reason why I have a podcast. Yeah, right. <laughs> to get it all out. Just get it all out. Uh, no, but I just I think part of I'm a Gemini. Believe it or not, I'm still an introvert. I'm a Libra. You're I think Libra. I've told you this that Gemini's and Libras tend to be good friends. Yeah, but we work. It worked out. So no, I I'm still an introvert, believe it or not, and I think um, when I see you, like back then, I didn't never saw myself being where I'm at right now like if anything my goal was to graduate high school and start working to provide for my family yeah and um that didn't happen and um looking at it now like I sometimes pinch myself especially when I'm in Salem in the legislature because I'm like holy shit I have my whole name is right there and it's going to be there forever because I'm I'm making 
uh, I'm, I'm here, right? And um, sometimes I feel like yeah, maybe maybe it's a mistake, maybe totally. something happened here. No, but I, I enjoy it, I love it, and I never take it for granted. And I'm still an introvert, believe it or not. Like I, in Salem, I don't really talk to anybody. I just go into my office and hide. And <laughs> when I have to come out and vote, I vote. <laughs> you know, yeah. But uh, it's uh, it's 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 a blessing and it's kind of surreal. But what are your future plans? I know that you are you have a awesome important job in the county and you're a school board vice chair right now where do you see yourself in a couple years yeah you know i think if there was something that this last global pandemic really taught me is you know focus on what's important Mm -hmm. and then keep focusing on that and make sure that people know that that's important Mm -hmm. and i think for right now i'm 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 very happy and thankful for the elected position that I have. I am very thankful for my job. And that's what I'm going to continue to do in the near future. (laughs) And I think if other opportunities come up, I'm excited to, like, explore them. But at this point, you know, I think it's similar to when the Ronald School Board seat opened up, you know? Like, I wasn't planning for it, and it just worked out really wonderfully. And I think... That that's what I'm. I'm just open to see what else is out there, but I don't think I, I have a big plan other than just to continue to serve my community mm-hmm. and in whatever way, my community best sees fit for that. Mm-hmm. I will do that and be open to that. What if I told you that the Oregon legislature only meets, <laughs> um, every day? You're not tricking me again. <laughs> I'm not falling for that. Dang it. And it pays really good. I've learned to do my research. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I thank you very much for you know for, for you to take the time to to do this episode and um, I, when we were texting I was like what should we talk about I was like let's talk about something scary yeah because uh, I, I I'm I don't know if you know this I don't know if you know this but I'm a I'm a I love ghost stories I love paranormal oh, I know too. that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but just before we end I think I want to end it in like a in a nice kind of like never endless topic and it is uh, I don't know if you saw this but um, um, during the last uh, package which what do you call it stimulus package uh-huh. yeah there was a little fine print and part of that that bill that passed in Congress was taught as to create a task force uh, to look into UFOs Ooh. I don't know if you know this and it gave Congress I gave like the agencies, the CIA, whoever is involved. CIA. Uh, CIA, I don't know. FBI. You never know. They've been involved in some shady stuff. Yeah, so is, you yeah, never know. They, they probably listened to this. Yeah. But um, they, they were given like 180 days to give a report back to Congress to a specific group wow. of people talk to, to see like if UFOs were real. The, the report came back and they were basically said... We're not saying they're real, but we're also not saying they're fake. Yeah. So I was like, so my question to you is, do you believe there's life outside of this planet that we cannot explain? Oh, 100% yes. I absolutely. I mean, I think we call them aliens, right? That's the language that we have. Mm -hmm. But I absolutely think that there are other living specimen Mm -hmm. or species out there that are living outside of earth just either waiting for one day to show up or already have showed up as i think we've heard so much but yeah it's i think i love thinking about 
like what they would think about when they either get here and want to talk to us like they're like oh, yeah here's, here's what they're thinking yeah here's what they're thinking they're like oh my gosh let's go to earth and have to just let's just laugh at what they're doing totally like let's look at how they have all the resources in the world to like cure hunger and give everyone their human needs met but yet won't but yet there's billionaires going up into space trying to find them right now <laughs> oh my so gosh that's what they would think yeah. of us and yeah. i think that's why we're doing our work right to they make were... sure that they don't say that about us and that we are taking care of each other you need to look, you need to go to uh, this is uh interview on cnn that talks about um uh the report and uh, there's some like special forces that people who were flying these you know jets and they share how like yeah we would see them like almost every day and we would try to follow them but they were so fast there's like a famous video called the tic tac video that mm. apparently there was a jet that was that kind of made contact well not made contact but just saw this like little tic tac type of thing that was just like circling around in the like near wow. the water in the ocean and the, the jet was like i'm gonna just circle and get down and meet where this little tic tac is at and this little tic tac was going up and mimicking the same movement and what? they got yeah it's, i'm not kidding they got face to face and the tic tac just disappeared and then like five minutes later or a couple minutes later it was found like 300 miles further in, into because another jet found side and they were like how the heck did this little thing just travel make it all make way. it that way so they're smart they're intelligent i and then but part of the thing is like the interview there was the i can't remember who was the host they asked them like why hasn't um you know uh aliens or extraterrestrial beings made contact with us and this guy made a joke and he's like well when we go to the zoo, do we talk to the animals? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And, and, and that made me laugh, but also I was like, true. Yeah, that's probably like, what we they're don't thinking. Need, we don't need to make contact with them. Yeah. But who knows? Who knows? Well, we're on another level. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, thank you, Yesenia, very much for, for taking the time. Hopefully we get to do this again. Uh, any closing remarks that you'd like to share with the listeners? No, I would just like to thank you again for having me on and for people out there, just please continue to support Ricky and this amazing work that he continues to do. And I know that there is, we're still in the middle of a time of uncertainty with this pandemic. So just don't be afraid to reach out to loved ones, let them know that you need support or that just to tell them that you love them. You know, I think we could all need this after the shitty last year and a half. I don't know if I'm supposed to cuss you, on here. Yeah, you can cuss. Okay, good. <laughs> don't can, beep that out. No, I will not beep that out. Well, thank you again, Yesenia. I wish you the best. And uh, this is one of many episodes that we get to record. So uh, with that being said, thank you all for listening. I hope you get to, get to tune in to other episodes. Listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, all the major platforms were there. We have already, I think, eight episodes. With this one, will be nine. Uh, and I hope you all continue to support. Give us a five-star rating if you really like it. If anything, if you didn't like it, just don't give us any rating at all. Because I yeah, don't want to bring my don't. ratings down. And uh, continue to support your local elected officials. Um, and, uh, and share your voice. If you have a concern, people are willing to listen. So thank you again. And until next time.